Welcome to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog guardians. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm a certified professional dog trainer and I take my 10 years of training experience and I share easy to implement dog training advice with an emphasis on kindness and compassion. Welcome. I'm so excited to share more. Hello, everyone. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to share some exciting updates. I've gotten a lot of awesome messages and reviews and feedback on this podcast about how it has greatly improved your relationship with your dog. And please keep them coming. It brings me so much joy to hear those. I've gotten a couple of questions recently about how you can contribute to disorderly dogs. And while I love that this podcast is free to you and you can listen at your leisure, uh, let's be honest, things still cost money. So if you are interested in contributing to disorderly dogs, we now have an option for you to make a small monthly contribution so that the podcast can keep going and I can produce higher quality content. I can have great guests and definitely get to more listener questions. So if you are interested in contributing to this podcast, you can check out the link in the show notes to learn more. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. I really hope you enjoyed the last two episodes. I love talking with my clients. And it's so funny because people are always nervous. I'm like, we can just talk about your favorite subject, which is your dog. And they're like, you're right. I do want to do that. So <laughs> I really hope you enjoyed those episodes. I know that I get a lot of feedback from you awesome listeners telling me that those are some of your favorite episodes. I hope you enjoyed those. I'm really pumped. We're welcoming a new round into Reactive Redefined. And it's been really amazing to get to know everyone. And I'm so looking forward to supporting them on their journey. So those of you who follow me over on the Instagram at a good feel underscore NCO, you know that Waylon had a pretty near-death experience (laughs) and thankfully he's doing semi-okay now, but it has been a very tumultuous (laughs) time, lots of time at the vet and that also influenced by a conversation I had with one of my clients, shout out to Asia. That is really what's fueling everything that I'm going to talk about in today's episode. So in today's episode, I'm going to break down kind of the spectrum of consent and care, cooperative care, and maybe less than cooperative care, okay? And this is something that, as many of you know, I'm very passionate about. I teach a course on consent and care. It's a protocol that I use. Uh, a lot with Waylon, but over the last couple of weeks, I've definitely appreciated that it's a spectrum, right? Like it can't always be consent. It can't always be cooperation. We just have to do the best that we can. And I hope that this episode is helpful for understanding that we can only do our best for our dogs. And while I love teaching and training a consenting care protocol, and that's something that I suggest that a lot of my clients do, it doesn't mean that it's the be-all, end-all. 
So for those of you who are new to this and you're like, okay, except for what is a consenting care protocol, I'm just going to break that down for you really quickly. So in a, a consenting care protocol is a protocol in which we teach a dog a behavior, which means that if they provide this behavior, they are saying yes to what we are doing. If they stop providing the behavior, they are saying no to what we are doing. And this is something that we break down, we teach, we train, we proof, and it can be so powerful, so powerful for Dogs with a varying degree of uh, dislike or discomfort surrounding vet care. And it's one of those that I do not think that every single dog needs a consenting care protocol, right? Like that's not something that I've taught to Spicy at all. But I do think that a lot of you who are listening have dogs like Waylon, who can be quite reactive in particular when it comes to vet care and handling and restraint and things of those nature. And those dogs, I think that have an aversion to handling and vet care. Those are the dogs that I really think it's worth the time and energy to teach the protocol. Many of you who've worked with me one-on-one or in person know that I am not someone who likes to get overly fancy or complicated about things if we don't have to, right? Like I really like to take the path of least resistance to get to outcomes to make it the easiest we possibly can for both the dog and the guardian. But consenting care is one of those protocols that I do think it's worth the time and energy to quote unquote train the fancy protocol. Um, So a consenting care protocol can be a game changer for a lot of dogs. And it's a protocol that has allowed me to get Waylon a lot more of the care that he needs that would be very difficult to pull off otherwise. Okay, so that's my definition. That's how I'm defining a consenting care protocol. So as we're kind of sliding down the spectrum here, right, of like care and handling and things of that nature, that gets us into cooperative care. Cooperative care is something that we're not necessarily getting our dogs explicit. Yes, you can do this, but we're making it the the least unpleasant that we possibly can and they're still actively engaging and allowing us to do what we need to do so spicy as a dog that we have a pretty good established cooperative care routine um, and that is basically in the way of i put peanut butter on a licky mat and she licks it while i clip and dremel her nails This is something that I worked on her with her from a teeny tiny puppy, and she never showed any major aversion to handling in the way that Waylon did. She's always been just more tolerant and accepting of some of the handling and care and stuff that we needed to do, and all dogs are different. All dogs respond differently, but Spicy is a dog that I I haven't trained a consent to care protocol because... I don't necessarily need her explicit yes because she's allowing me to clip her nails and drummel them and she's licking and licking and licking and licking and that's cool, right? Like she's comfortable with that and that has been a very effective strategy and that's something that we've also used in the vet setting, right? Spicy gets to actively lick something. Sometimes I bring a licky pouch. Sometimes I bring a licky mat. Sometimes I bring a Kong and she gets to lick while they do vaccinations and exams and things of that nature and she's very tolerant of that. She's very cooperative in what we need to get done and the licking helps it to be not an unpleasant experience but 
Cooperative care is something that I have tried with Waylon, and I definitely tried a lot with Waylon when he was a youngster, and basically like a very similar way, right? Like lots of lickable stuff and trying to get handling done, and Waylon would be very resistant and reactive in that setting, right? So like if he was trying to lick and a vet tech or something was trying to approach him, he would stop licking and he would get very reactive. So he would bark, he would move away, he would kind of spook. So cooperative care can be a really useful tool, um, but some dogs are not going to be successful at cooperative care per se, right? And Wayland can be successful at cooperative care in certain contexts. I'm going to get to that. Okay, and then as we slide down the spectrum here, so we start at consent and care, we get to cooperative care, and then we get to less cooperative care in situations where maybe it's an emergency and we just, we have to get something done. And this is very fresh on my mind because um, as many of you know, Waylon kind of had an escapade. He ate multiple toxic things. (laughs) So he got into some trail mix that had raisins and chocolate, and then he got into some ibuprofen and he had to be... um, hospitalized for multiple days and that was a setting where we didn't really have the option of consent and care we didn't really have there was some cooperative care option but not a lot and it was one of those that like they had to get him back they had to get iv fluids in him and he didn't really get to choose to do that. We just had to make it happen. And I just want to be clear that there's always going to be this spectrum of getting our dogs the care and doing handling and grooming and things like that, like we need. And there's there's inevitably going to be emergency situations where it's kind of non-negotiable and we just have to get the things done, right? And there's there's a lot of... There's a lot of differentiation in that, but for Waylon, it was it was kind of a life or death situation, right? Like he was doing very, very poorly and he needed fluids basically immediately. And we just, we had to get that done, right? So in my conversation with my client, Aisha, she was asking, right? Like, okay, but what do you do if you can't get a yes, right? Like you can't get the dog to explicitly say yes. And that's such a good, valid question. And we had such a, such a brilliant conversation about that, right? And we want to, when we can get a yes we want to when we can make it a semi-pleasant experience for our dog but inevitably there are situations where we don't have that option okay and I don't want you to feel bad or guilty we just have to do the best that we can right so I want to give you some perspective about um, protocols in which I think or situations in which I think that the consent and care protocol um, should be the goal So nail care is definitely one that I think that it's, there are very few dogs where it's, it's urgent and we have to get it done. (laughs) Okay. So if your dog is going for surgery or sedation or dental and they're going to be put out and you can clip their nails, brilliant opportunity to get some length off those nails while you train up a protocol. But I think that a consent and care protocol can be a game changer for a lot of dogs who struggle with having their nails trimmed. Waylon is one of those dogs. We use a consent and care protocol at home. And he allows me to clip his back nails and not every single time, right? So this is a protocol we've been working on for multiple years and it's pretty efficient, but that doesn't always mean that he says yes. And that's a situation where I have to accept the no and try again the next day. 
So, you know, I wish that it was just like all magic and puppies and the consent and care protocol just meant that your dog always said yes, but they don't. And that's the point of the protocol that they can say no sometimes and we have to honor that, right? So the consent and care protocol is is one that is worth the time and energy, but you have to really be patient and understanding that if your dog says no, you have to accept the no. And I will be frank with you. I am not always patient. And sometimes I'm trying to like do the consent to care protocol and do his nails. And he says no. And I'm pissed. I'm like, God damn it, Wayland. But you know what I do? I honor the no. I take a deep breath and I move on. Okay. So I think that nail care, grooming, right? Grooming, um, bath time, those are things where a consent to care protocol can be awesome for just everyday life, right? And I also think that there are dogs who, you know, kind of go down the spectrum here, like a dog like Spicy and and Waylon too, where we can teach more cooperative care. So many of you who have been um, following along on this podcast or follow me on Instagram, you know that I'm a huge proponent for teaching dogs to use a scratch board. And that's a form of cooperative care that I have taught with Waylon so I don't even have to clip his front nails we literally just do the scratch board once a week and that keeps the length off and that's amazing right so I'm getting him to cooperate in his care I don't have to get his explicit yes because he doesn't think it's yucky he thinks it's like the funnest game ever just to scratch at the board multiple times and get cookies for it right? So cooperative care is one of those that it can be really flexible. And specifically when we're talking about nail care, if you're not familiar with a scratch board, look it up. We'll include a link. I have a blog for a do-it-yourself um, scratch board, but I'll be honest, there's tons of amazing options just to purchase one if you don't want to use a Saza <laughs> like I did. Um, but I think that the scratch board can be such an amazing way to get our dogs to cooperate with nail care and take away some of the yucky stuff that the dog don't like, right? Um, from my perspective, there are very few circumstances where I think that getting nails clipped is an emergency situation and I would restrain or hold the dog down to get the nails clipped. This is something that I honestly can't even think of an example in my 11 year career where I suggested that. Um, but you know, I think that there might be like, if you rescue a dog from a hoarding situation, then her nails are so long and you just have to get it done and you, you can't make it cooperative or you can't get their explicit. Yes. You just got to do it. But I really think that, you know, the setting of taking your dog to the vet and asking the vet techs to take them back and restrain them and clip them, like that's wildly unpleasant for everyone. So shout out to the vet text listing because I know that that's not a, a wonderful experience for you either. <laughs> it's having to restrain a dog and, and clip their nails. So I think that there's so much that we can accomplish with the the grooming and handling and care that we don't necessarily need a veterinary professional for. We don't necessarily need a groomer for. And we can get a lot of that done at home, right? Consent and care is definitely something that I have utilized with Waylon in a veterinary setting for vaccinations, okay? So he has consented to multiple rabies vaccinations over the years. He has consented to a blood draw, but that's not something that we always have the luxury of. And that's something that is, again, fresh on my mind because we've been spending a lot of time at vet offices and because he's been recovering from an acute kidney injury and I had to take him to our primary care vet for follow-up blood work and it was one of those that I was feeling kind of stressed and overwhelmed because I was like 
I don't think we're going to get him to consent. He had just been hospitalized for five days. He was like very touchy and, and feeling uncomfortable. So I really operated, opted for the cooperation route. And that included a couple of things. So one, that did include trazodone, um, which is a medication, a behavioral medication. And I know that a lot of you are familiar with it, but that was prescribed by our vet. So we had a low dosage of trazodone on board and I brought something lickable and they were able to get the blood drawn with no restraint. So that was cooperation. Waylon did not explicitly say yes, but it was one of those that like, I really didn't think if I asked him, he would be able to say yes. So I didn't ask. And I used the trazodone to make it easier for him to be successful. And I was very, very pleasantly surprised. And, you know, to second, I want to give a shout out to Vetex because you all are amazing and so compassionate. And I know that unfortunately you are undervalued a lot in your work, but I just wanted you to know that you're very appreciated. There were two female Vetex that were just the best. I was like, listen, if you try and restrain him, it's going to be terrible, right? He's going to resist. He's going to be reactive. So if we can work as a team here just to let him lick. Um, so basically we had one Vetex on one side of him and she wasn't restraining him. She was just kind of like, hanging out there and I was feeding at his mouth we were all on the ground together and the other vet tech was at his back leg getting the blood drawn and honestly we were able to do it super quick Waylon I don't even think thought it was a terribly unpleasant experience so you know as much as I want Waylon's consent and care protocol to be an active part of his veterinary care it can't always be right I can't always ask him to opt into it but you know I think really good feedback that even though he doesn't necessarily get to consent to what just happened. I really do think that all of the work that we trained in our protocol still had a positive impact on his ability to accept the care, right? So maybe some of you are training a consent and care protocol and you're feeling kind of discouraged. It's okay, right? Use the consent and care protocol where you can, where it's successful, keep working on it, keep training it. But there are going to be some of those circumstances where we ought to just like shift to cooperative care. And then sometimes we got to just shift to like, hey, we got to get it done. And maybe it's not the best, but if it's a life or death situation, we just have to do the best that we can, right? And, you know, just to kind of bring this full circle, we have an obligation to teach our dogs to either consent or cooperate to their care. We have a lot of things that we need to get done with them over their lives. And the more we can just teach them to be active participants in that, it's better for everyone. It's better for you. It's better for your do- your dog. It's better for the veterinary professional world that has to deal with your dog. So the more we can do that, it's just going to benefit everybody. And I think it's well worth the time and energy, but there's no black and white. Every dog is different. Every situation is different. So I hope Hope that you enjoy this episode. I hope that it got your brain thinking about um, how you can help your dog maybe consent or cooperate to more of their care. It has been one of my true passions in my career. And many of you know, I help run the training program at a wolf sanctuary here in Colorado. And a lot of these consent and cooperative protocols we teach to the animals there. Um, Not all of the animals 
can participate in that same way, right? Like we have varying degrees of of wild to domesticated in the gene pool there, but a vast majority of the animals there, we have taught a lot of amazing behaviors to either consent or cooperate in their care. And it has made getting their, you know, exams and, and vaccinations and nail care just so much less stressful for everyone. And I think that it's, it's well worth the time and energy. All right, everyone, smooch those puppies for me. Um, I hope you have a beautiful weekend and I am already looking forward to the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you need help with your dog's behavior, you can learn more about our training services at agoodfeelingdogtraining.com. We post training inspiration and training tips almost daily over on the Instagram at agoodfeeling underscore NCO. If you like this podcast, we would be so grateful if you could share it with a friend or family member who could benefit from all of the information. Um, It's been a total delight. We love this podcast so much. And thank you so much for listening to Disorderly Dogs.